This is an ode to blackness, to black women, to vulnerability and to visibility. And in the words of one of my heroes, the resilient and prolific Miss Audre Lorde, I have come to believe over and over again that what is most important to me must be spoken, made verbal and shared, even at the risk of having it bruised or misunderstood. That the speaking profits me beyond any other effect. I am standing here as a black woman, and the meaning of all that waits upon the fact that I am still alive and I might not have been. This is a platform to magnify the voices of the ignored and the unheard. So please join me on my journey of speaking up and speaking truth. This is Speak, and I am Kaya Coleman. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Speak. It is Kaya, and today I'm kind of talking about like a mix of things. So I'm about to post some affirmations. Um about health and I got to that topic because my uncle passed away of cancer a few weeks ago and at his funeral my aunt Shan reminded us to pray for health and be intentional about it because that's something that he told her he didn't pray enough about and that stuck with me because I realized that I definitely don't pray for health like at all it's just kind of something that I take for granted like I've always been healthy I've always, like, I've never had any issues with my health, like, any serious issues, so I've just always taken that as, like, the norm without realizing that, like, we put our bodies through hella shit every day, and we never say, like, a thank you or anything of the sort. So that kind of came to my mind, and I wanted to point that out. Um, But I really want the conversation to be more so about, like, managing death and, like, understanding it a little bit more, because I think... A lot of people have experienced death, unfortunately, this year, even if it's not in your, like, own close uh, family, even if it's, like, with celebrities. I know Chadwick Boseman, it's his birthday today, which is why I thought of him. Um, And that was a hard death for me. I took that very rough. I I didn't expect to, but I did, and I'm sure a lot of people did. Um, So I kind of wanted to talk about it because I don't think we talk about death enough. And because of that, people are very scared of it. But I'm starting to kind of realize that death really isn't something to be afraid of. Um, It's just confusing. And I think we tend to fear things that we just don't understand. Um, And so I'm trying to bring more light and more understanding to the area, at least from, like, my experiences so far. Um, So back to Uncle Paul. He is not my blood uncle. But him and my mom grew up with each other in Brooklyn, and they ended up both moving to Houston around the same time. They had their kids around the same time, so, like, they've just been in each other's lives for, like, 40-plus years. So I grew up just knowing my Uncle Paul, like, that's just, like, I don't have any memories without him until now. So it's, like, not blood, but closer than blood, you know what I mean? So my mom spoke at his funeral, obviously, because... It's like his best friend. Um, And it just started to take me back to, like, my grandmother's death. My grandmother, on my mom's side, I call her Nana. Um, And just how I processed it, because it's a very similar situation. And the last conversation we had, I spoke about ego death. And ego death is actually... So one of the first 
moments where I realized like, oh, I think I just experienced an ego death. It was catalyzed by dreams that I was having with my Nana in them. And so I don't know how spiritual you guys are, but I imagine if you listen to this, you're like at least curious. Um, And so a lot of people think that like dreams are just different realms. So it's like what's happening in your dream is very true. It's just like not true for the state you would be in when you like when you wake up, if that makes sense. Um, For example, since I already brought up Chadwick Boseman, like thinking of like when he saw his dad in the in the sky in that scene where it's like the sky's like purple and he's talking to his dad that is low-key like mimicking what would happen in a dream um and that's kind of what I was experiencing with my grandma just like obviously I wasn't in a, a purple field like it wasn't that dramatized but like it was still me experiencing her in my dreams talking to her in my dreams and being able to remember that information and it actually was very useful for me in this life um which is why I'm so big on dreams, like paying attention to them, because I think that they have a lot of information. Um, But she was the key player in me having like that first realization earlier this summer. Um, And it started with her death, actually. (laughs) Um, But that's kind of what it was about. So to give background on who my Nana is. So that's my namesake, actually. She, my first middle name was her first name. Um, so we have that, like, tie already. Like, I feel like whenever you're named after someone or for that person or in honor of someone, you kind of carry a little bit of that energy. Um, and they tend to influence your life in pretty dominant ways. And so my Nana, she was um, born in Panama, and she met both her and my grandfather were born um, in the Rio Bajo, it's the same, it's like this little city within Panama City, it's just a bunch of black people, for real, and, um, they met each other there, ended up having kids, moving their family to Brooklyn, New York, uh, Crown Heights specifically, and that's where my mom was born, and where she grew up, and so, that's also why I love New York City so much, because that's really the start of, like, my American roots. But they came all the way from Panama in the 60s, and they brought a brownstone in Crown Heights. Like, they sent their kids to school. My mom went to Bronx Science in, like, the 80s. Like, that's, like, she did that. <laughs> like, they just really did a lot to give their kids everything. And so when I think of my grandmother, I think of, like, kind of like a, a superhero almost. Like, she just did a lot of the impossible and she raised, so she raised her kids, three of them, and then my mom had my oldest brother when she was really young, so she also helped raise him, and then she just was that figure in our lives, too, like, she potty trained us, we used to spend all of our summers with her, like, she just was a very important figure to us. After my grandpa passed, which he passed away before I was born, so I don't really like know him that much like I've seen pictures but I don't really know him um and she moved to Fayetteville North Carolina um if anybody knows anything about Fayetteville (laughs) it's there's just nothing to do in Fayetteville and so especially like as a kid I just spent all of my time in the house with her um and so she would I just remember her always being like everyone's like caregiver like everyone kind of relied on her to kind of 
support you in that maternal way. She also used to, like, babysit other people's kids, like, at her church and stuff. Like, she was just that, like, motherly figure to all people. Um, so everybody kind of, like, held her in very high esteem. And so when I got to spend the summers with her in North Carolina, that's when I got to see just how valuable people, like, looked at her as, like, people would go out of their way to make sure Mother West, that's what they called her, to make sure that she was, like, good, she was taken care of, she had somewhere to, if she had something to eat, like, they were making sure she had, like, a ride to church, a ride home from church. Like, they were just, that's when I realized, like, the way you treat people really does come back to you because she poured into people so much, and they all returned the favor. Even when she was, like, about to pass, like, everybody was there, and that was an incredible thing to see. But... So seeing all this background about my Nana is to say that she was an incredible person and people looked at her, she was just pretty exalted, I would say, like in her community. And she was exalted in our family too. Like I just looked at her as like the coolest person ever. Like she just inspired me in a lot of ways. And because I was always thinking about the sacrifices she made to come to this country, it's like in the back of my head whenever I'm doing something or trying to accomplish something, like she's the first person I think of because it's like, I wouldn't have had any of these opportunities if she didn't decide that, like, there was more for her family. And I can't imagine moving, like, well, not across the world, but, like, that's still pretty far. That's, like, a six, seven-hour plane ride now. So, like, I just can't imagine, like, moving my entire family um, to a new country in the 60s and just kind of starting over and just having enough faith to do that. And then to do it well and successfully, like, that's major shit. Um... So when she got cancer in my teens, she passed away my uh, she passed away my second semester senior year. So that January, uh, what is that, twenty sixteen? Um, and it was weird because like at first my mom's like, oh yeah, she has cancer, but she's still living in Fayetteville, so I don't see her every day. But I talked to her on the phone, like she sounds the same, like. She don't like talking on the phone. She she, she would just, like, hang up pretty quick anyway, um, my type of woman. Um, and so it just seemed, she seemed like herself. And then when things started to get bad, I guess, my mom decided to go get her and move her to Texas. And she didn't want to leave because she had her community of people in North Carolina. Like I said earlier, she poured so much into people that she literally had people with her 24-7, not related to her at all, but just dedicated to making sure she had every single thing she needed while she was going through chemo and all these just really taxing things and so she didn't want to leave that community but my mom was like if this is what it feels like it is like you need to be around your family like around your children um so she moved and that's when I like saw her for the first time she moved around that summer so I was home all day pretty much obviously and seeing her actually in person was like oh like oh she has cancer like it just when you hear about cancer you don't think about how damaging it is and then when you see it it's like oh like this is this is crazy like this is unimaginable and I think because I had looked at her so highly like I mentioned seeing her look so physically weak fucked me up I was like oh no like I could not do that shit like looking at her physically hurt me like it just felt like the backbone was breaking and it was just 
now who's going to like hold this up? Like now who am I thinking about when I'm trying to reach new goals? Like, I don't know. She was just like a major piece in my life. So it was just a really weird death for me. And even though like she didn't live near me, so I only saw her during like breaks or holidays, she's still my grandma. And like my mom's mom is that. And I just, there's just a lot of connection there. So it just, seeing that was rough. And she like, she loves watching TV, Spanish soap operas, or (laughs) Family Feud. So we used to have that going for her. And my parents would be at work during the week. So it's kind of like, or during the day. So it's like up to us to make sure like she's good, she's eating, like she's taken care of during the day. And in the morning, I used to like, so I'm not a morning person, or I used to not be a morning person. And I don't like talking, like, for the first, like, couple hours of the day. Like, I just would rather not speak. Um, and whenever I would come downstairs, she'd be like, oh, have you seen me today? <laughs> I'm like, what? But saying, like, you didn't say good morning is what she was trying to say. Um, so I used to always make sure I came downstairs and, like, greeted her and, like, said hello because she hated that. Um, and so I'd spend, like, a little bit of time with her in the morning. But then, like, being around her and just, like, thinking of all the possibilities and, like, thinking of what was to come... I could not be around her for long. And that's when I realized that my response to trauma a lot of the time is just to like pull back and go back to what feels safe or what feels controllable almost. And when somebody's dying of cancer, you can't control anything. Like you just have to experience whatever comes. And that was hard to understand. Like I just, yeah, that shit, ugh. I hated seeing her like that. And when she was about to pass, um, my uncle came from Atlanta to come just, like, see her, be around her. And literally, the moment she saw her son and her daughter, my mom, like, were in the room with her, those are her only, like, living children left. Like, when she saw them, she literally died, like, that second. (laughs) Like, not to be dramatic, but, like, as soon as she saw him she passed on. And where was I? In my room, of course, because avoiding conflict 101, I was like in what felt like my safe space, my room. Like in my room, I can control everything. In my room, I understand what's happening. In my room, things can't just like get pulled from up under me. It's a safe space, you know? And of course, that's where I was. And when she finally passed, my little brother came upstairs and he's like a very chill person. Like, Nothing really phases him at all. Kind of monotone. Like, he's just, he's a dope person, but he's just very chill, like, very laid back. And the way he looked at me when he came upstairs and said, all he said was Kaya, and I I knew exactly what he was saying. Because just the tone of his voice and, like, the look in his eyes wasn't the same person. And it, ugh, it was so hard to, like, imagine that. And I'm also holding my niece in my arms at that point. She's, like, four, I think. We're, like, in my room. And she's, like, playing on my iPad, and I'm holding her. So then, like, I'm trying not to cry because I know she's going to cry. But, of course, I do because I'm a crybaby. And it's off. It's my Nana. Like, so I'm crying. She starts crying. He crying. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I, like, leave them in my room. I'm like, I'll be right back. Like, just stay in here. And I go downstairs, and I see my mom holding her mom, just, like, rocking and, like, sobbing. And that is a mental picture that... I can't describe, however, 
it felt like my entire world just crumbled. Like, because if you think about it, that's probably the most difficult death ever, right? Like, the person that brought you life, like the person that gave you everything, that taught you everything, that is literally half of your existence. Even if you don't have a good relationship with your mom, like, when your mom passes away, like, there's a connection there that you can't put into words, but it exists, you know? And so seeing that, and they did have a good relationship, so just seeing that happen, oh, boy, that's it. Um, yeah, that was a lot. And one of the things, I don't know why I do this, but whenever, like, I see sadness or I experience sad things, I always imagine, like, oh, my God, like, what would that be if it's me? Mind you, it was me because it's still, like, it's my family. But I'm thinking of, like, me and my mom, and I was like, oh, no. Nah. Like, I just could not do it. I was just, yeah, the emotions were very high. And immediately after feeling, like, the first, like, shock and then I felt sadness, and then I started getting mad, (laughs) because I'm like, damn, she just passed away in my house, and I wasn't even around her for no reason, like, I knew she had stage four cancer, I knew she was sick, but my inability to process trauma, and to process grief, kept me back from being there for her in her, like, final moments, in that i I've never felt a guilt like that before. Mind you, I'm 17, so, like, looking back now that I'm 22, I'm like, I was really a child, and I shouldn't have been as hard on myself as I was, but I was, and because of that, there was just so much guilt surrounding her death. I was like, damn, did she know that I cared, like, in those, like, moments? Like, did she know that I, like, I just couldn't handle it. And I hope that she knew that it was that and not that I just didn't want to be around her. You know what I mean? Um, And so I struggled with that for a very long time because I just, I felt like she died and I didn't get to tell her how much she meant to me. Um, Which is why I made that post a couple weeks ago about like give people their flowers because I'm like, damn. Like I would never want anybody close to me to pass away and I didn't get to say every single thing I've wanted to say to them. And why didn't I say it to them? Because my ego got in the way. Or because my pride got in the way. Or because my fear got in the way. And so I just left. Like, unspoken words scare the hell out of me. I'm like, damn. Like, I don't want... (laughs) After having an experience where I had regret because of unspoken words with my Nana, I know that I don't ever want to do that again. And so when it came to my uncle passing away, it was like, I have to show up for him, or at least show up for my mom. Like, I have to do better this time. Um, And so even though he was sick and I knew he wasn't gonna look the same and I knew it was gonna be bad, like, I still went and I visited and I got to see him right before, which was great because it's like, I got that closure. Like, I got to let him know, like, I love you. And like, he got to, he just, he got to die surrounded by his most, like, his his closest people, his his loved ones. Like, everyone that he just would have given the world for, he got to die around them. And so that was an amazing feeling to know that, like, I was able to kind of overcome my fear of death and being around death and be able to be there to help 
my uncle transition, which is what I regretted not being able to do for my Nana. And this summer, with like the ego deaths and all that was that was happening, that's the first time where I thought, really thought about her death and like really processed it. And that's like five years later. And I was like, wow, you've been carrying around all this guilt and all these unspoken words for so long. You wonder why your throat chakra is fucked up, why your heart chakra is a little fucked up. <laughs> because you're, you've been harboring this guilt and thinking that you did something that really you didn't do. Like my, she understood me more than I thought she did. And my actions didn't actually mess her up or like kill her more or like make her experience painful. She understood where I was coming from and I didn't realize that she understood and that she had forgiven me or, or she didn't need to forgive me, but she had done enough to let me know that like we were good um, when she started visiting in my dreams, just like talking to me more there. And I've learned more about my Nana through dreams than I have like when we were alive, like in this room together because... I was 17 when she passed away. Like, I didn't understand shit that was going on, really. Like, even though you're 17, like, that's that's a baby. Like, you don't understand what's happening in the world around you that much. Um, but now that I'm older and I've experienced different things, she's been a really key factor in that. And um, it sounds so weird to be like, you talk to your ancestors, but, like, you really do. And it's not even, like, a, a talking, like, a conversation. It's more so, like, you just... Either you see them in your dreams or, like, you random, like, lyrics will play and you're like, is this, like, are y'all trying to tell me something? I used to smell, like, get, like, a whiff of, like, her scent very often and, like, that was weird. I would see butterflies whenever I was, like, thinking of her and that's when I started to realize, like, that's, like, a way that she's showing herself is, like, the butterfly, hence my tattoo. I, I love butterflies. Whenever I see her, it's, like, or see one, it's, like, I see her and, it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it, but I'm sure you have, and you probably just haven't really like thought about it that much yet. But I really encourage you to think about difficult moments because that's really where you do learn so much. Um, but I'm going to sum all of this kind of spilled out grief <laughs> by saying that what I learned from my Nana's death and then kind of like the repeat situation with my Uncle Paul's death is that death is really just a part of the cycle like and the only way to really process death is to appreciate life like that's the only thing that makes death understandable you have to recognize life for what it is right like I used to think so I grew up in the church I always thought like okay Jesus is gonna come back and then we're gonna like he's going to save us, we're going to ascend, and, like, we're going to live happily ever after in the golden gates of heaven, and I'm going to have a mansion, and, like, me and God are going to be cool, like, all this stuff. Like, that's how I processed the afterlife when I was little. And in college, I got to a point at, like, during, like, one of my lows where I was like, yo, is God even real? Like, I had completely, like, fallen off, completely forgotten what life was. Like, I was just like, we live, we die. Like, get it how you live it while you're here, because... I had lost so much faith in there being more. Like, just witnessing all of the shit happening around me, happening in the world, happening to us, like, it just kind of made life seem less meaningful. And I realized that I had kind of gotten as reckless as I, as I have ever been. Um, 
and I didn't like that. And I realized that I had to just start being more intentional. And I'm starting to realize that life doesn't end here. Um, and I really feel like this is probably the first of many stops or one of the earliest of many stops. I'm not really sure how that works. Um, but it's, it's hard to conceptualize these things, I think. But I think just the very fact that humans desire to know more and that we all pray or think about this outward source of energy and creation, even though none of us have actually ever seen enough or heard enough to prove it, but we all have this like desire to connect to something bigger. And I think that's enough to sh- like to show that we're all connected to the same source, right? And that's pretty much what God is, what the belief in God is. And even like atheists, if you think about their beliefs, they don't believe in God, right? However, they still base their the entirety of their beliefs off of their inability to understand or to believe in this common greater good. So at the basis of their identity, they're still low-key centering themselves around a God that they claim they don't believe in. So everybody, even atheists and even agnostics who think that we don't have the ability to actually know what could be there, everyone is still hinting at the fact that there is something, and I think that's enough to believe in God. Um, And just thinking about my life and thinking about all the things that I just spoke about, there's just... There's no way that the world happens like this and there isn't someone that formed this you know what I mean and when I say someone I obviously don't mean a human because God is quite literally unfathomable but we do know that there is a presence that we like to refer to as God or Allah or whoever you call God father mother whatever you call God for real because he doesn't have genders either like we put on to him because he's not a human even though I keep saying he because unfortunately I was raised in the patriarchy um but he's really just I don't know what God is, but I think the closest thing I could say is that he's love. And I say that because love really does create pretty much everything. And the thing we're always taught and even the thing that Jesus is like came here to teach us is that we're supposed to act in love and do in love. And that's how we manifest and that's how we make things happen. And that's how we create. Like it's really through love. Like think about the terms we use to refer to the creation of children or even think about like how mothers fiercely protect the women that they or not the women the kids that they love like I know y'all have heard about women lifting up cars and stuff because they love their child so much and their adrenaline is pumping so much that they're able to do the impossible because of their love for that being like that's a crazy powerful thing to think about um and so when I say love I don't even mean it in like the romantic love even though that's the same I just mean it in general right Um, and so that's kind of a little bit of my thoughts about the afterlife and, and death. I'm still figuring it out. I don't understand at all, really. If you have any books or podcasts or anything really to help me understand or to show me like a different point of view, that'd be lit because I don't understand fully what's happening. But like I said before, I think just our existence is enough to know that there is a creator that exists. And I just have this belief that we return back to that at some point. We always talk about, like, heaven and hell and, like, all these things. I don't really know if hell is, like, a real burning, fiery pit. <laughs> I, I've i always thought, hell, like, in my head, hell has always been, like, 
just a separation from God and like an inability to get back to God. And what happens with that is when your soul can't connect back to its source, I think that's what hell is like when you lose that and you lose that by not believing anymore. You lose that by not speaking to your creator, by severing that relationship, by not living authentically. Like that's how you lose that tie. I think that's what hell quote unquote is. It's, it probably is a mindset, like not living to your fullest and knowing that you're living in this restriction but not being able to get out of it. God could also arguably be, arguably be a mindset then in that if you look at it that way. Oh, wow. Sorry, I never thought of it that way, God being a mindset. I don't know. I'm going to expand this episode, actually, because I'm ranting now because I'm a little lifted. Um, <laughs> but I like where this is going because I never thought about it that way. And I think understanding who God is is something I've been struggling with but what's helped me is knowing that you're never gonna know (laughs) there's no way we can completely understand him because we're not him or we're not them or we're not her like we're not that being so there's no way we'll ever understand but I'm trying to find the God within myself and I think that's what's going to help me connect back it's like what are the things that I came with like what do I naturally like to do what do I naturally think what do I like experience in my most vulnerable states those are probably the things that are closest to God so that's what I've been trying to do to help get to know God is getting to know myself Um, and that's been really helpful for me but I say all that to say that life is very fragile and we need to appreciate it more and in doing so we need to acknowledge our bodies and acknowledge health and we need to pray for it we need to talk about it Um, acknowledging death, acknowledging life, just the fullness of it, right? We talk about death as if it's just so taboo and it's like a negative thing, but it's something that's going to happen to all of us. And it's easier to process if you talk about it rather than just going through it and then trying to forget about it. So I think that's all I wanted to say because I'm running out of ideas to speak about. So I'm going to end this here. But thank you guys for listening. Um, Last episode was just the amount of love and feedback I got was crazy. And it was just very sincere, like paragraph types. And I was like, oh, my God, words of affirmation is my love language. And just like reading all this stuff, I was like, thank you guys so much. Um, I appreciate it. Um, This is dope. I am enjoying this experience and getting to grow with you guys and getting to learn. Uh, A lot of you all have really pushed my perspectives and the way that I see things and that's really what I wanted this to be just a dispersal of knowledge like I mentioned in my first post or some shit it's somewhere on here but that's like a part of it is wanting to disperse knowledge in a community type way and it's slowly but surely forming around me um and I'm finding my like kind of soul tribe and I'm finding people that I didn't really talk to that much but now it's like I really value their presence in my life and so Doing something that I really enjoy and that's helping me heal brought very authentic people around me. And I'm very appreciative of that. So thank you all for listening. If you got this far, thank you for listening at all, really. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. Bye.